Blog Talk Radio. everybody, welcome to the Neil and Christian Baker Psychic Hour. We are here to take your calls. And I'm sharing the show to our other pages, so I'm sorry for the uh, the non-fluid delivery of my speech. So, 914-338-0164 is the call number. Please press 1 if you'd like to speak with us, callers. And our listeners and callers may also join us on Facebook and on Twitter. Those accounts are linked on our Blog Talk Radio profile where you may uh, connect with us. And, uh, and that's it. Oh, and on X. I should post to X. I have to X, X it out of chat in order to do that. I don't know why I post here. I don't think it does anything, but I'll just post anyway. Okay. Now, I had an interesting on. I had an interesting dream experience on. Um, it was the day after the radio. Oh, it was the day of the radio show Wednesday. I wasn't feeling that well. But so I took, and I don't take naps. I do not take naps. But I did take a nap because I was really, really wiped out. So I, I took a nap. I always forget. Lay, lie, lay. I lay down. I lay down, right? No. I lay down. I lay down to take a nap. And I had an experience where it was almost, you know, I was aware of, dreaming. I was aware of the fact that I was dreaming. So it was like a lucid dream, but I wouldn't say that I was guiding the dream necessarily because it was like a movie reel being shown to me. And I was in what looked to be Great Britain. And it was, I guess, a school, but like a wealthy school, you know, with very nice uh, grounds and tons of children. And they're wearing very, I mean, you know, the other weird thing about the dream, not weird thing about the dream, but the other notable, uh, notable factor about the dream is that the children in the dream were wearing clothes of different, many different colors. Joseph and the coat of many colors. You know, they weren't wearing many colors, each of them, but each of them had different colored clothes on and a lot of pastel kind of colors. So it was interesting. I mentioned the dream to you and you said, oh, it was probably a school that got bombed in the in World War II. I said, God, there's still spirits 
I mean, after all this time, well, stuck in the astro realm. Well, the, uh, I mean, or the way and you said the way I absorbed it. Could, it could have been, you know, there yeah. Was a, probably a setting where a lot of children were killed. And, of course, that might have been karmic. Now, the colors could have represented different nationalities of the children, or it could have been representative of the energy level chakra system. I think more of that. Um, I think it would be more the second. Yeah, it's hard. The the attitude of, of children in the astral realm, I mean, it didn't sound like they were necessarily... I mean, they could have transcended. They could have just been children. It could have been an imprint, you uh, mean? For that, you know, suffer the children. For, that is, the, they belong to the kingdom of God or the way to God. Um, th- there could be an indication that they were uh, transcendent souls. But it all depends on the, on the content of, the, of your take on the reading, whether they were stressed out. They weren't stressed out. It was a very, um, you know, there are times I have astral travels where I feel uncomfortable. And when I wake up, I, I feel better waking up than having been asleep. This was an experience where it was very, uh, very, what a stupid word. It was engaged. I was engaged. I was engaged and interested as I watched, and it morphed. Now, I'm not bringing back all the details because there were more details to the dream, but I, I don't remember them all. But it was definitely like, it was like, like a camera pans a scene. That's the experience. And I was aware that I was in the astral realm while I was experiencing it. The kids did not look, they said, you know, the, Instinctively, don't feel that. That maybe, yeah. yeah, and it's not a bad interpretation. But I felt white. Actually, these kids. I mean, there may have been kids that weren't white there, but the majority were Caucasian. Um, for different ages, you know, like young. There are. Uh, um, Physics who just won the Nobel Prize is someone who defined something as quadrum. I can't quantum. Uh, I can't remember what how he coined the coined word, but it's about finding the smallest particles that produce color, and they help produce color on television sets and in photographs. But anyways, he won the Nobel Prize in chemistry for finding these small, elect these small chemical compounds that ultimately produce color, like blue or red. And when we go into the astral realm, there are colors in the astral realm. It's not a black and white environment. So colors are in the afterlife. Now, to say that you went into the astral realm and saw spirits. You didn't see spirits because they were in body souls. So there had to be a soul connected to the uh, children that you observed. And that would mean that they were either in transition or they were suspended in time and space from their earlier demise 
there are there is a realm and there is a, a section in the astral realm that is where children who are more or less orphans, children who have been forgotten, children who are alone in the world and, and discarded, they sometimes I have seen gatherings where they have been in the astral realm. And so I you said they were what, playing or something? Or, huh? You know, what were they doing? You know, they, were, they seemed like almost like they were lined up, actually, or in a row. And like well, I said, it was a panographic, a panoramic, panoramic. <laughs> I'm creating my own language. Panoramic view. So it was like the camera was in the dream but I don't recall what happened, which is annoying. Well, yeah. You know, I'm taking So, there might have been the formation of these souls that were reenacting Whatever they had acted, right. Now, what you say about the chakras, that resonates with me. That resonates. I mean, I think it could probably also be symbolic of other things if you got deeper into the dream. But the fact that they were pastel colors. I mean, there was was a lot of color in the dream overall. Well, you see... Sometimes dreams aren't always colorful for me. You're saying pastel, but... When, when sometimes we confuse language in the astral realm, so it could be past, P-A-S-T, mm-hmm. cells, meaning you're looking at their bodies in the past. Now, astral bodies can, can to the human eye in the astral realm, appear to have bodies. You know, very likely, unlikely, do we transcend with our clothes or the way we dress. There's no need for that. A soul or a spirit doesn't have to be close. So what happens is that the receiver, the perceiver, the observer has to formulate in their mind an energy that they can relate to. So if they're just looking at a spirit or a soul, they may not recognize, perchance, the entire entity itself. So what happens is they absorb from the energy, a formation and a resemblance of what the soul looked like on the planet. So it could be that you actually saw the soul in past life form, meaning their former life or some life they had on earth before. The other question would be, how do you stumble into such a realm? Well, so weird. There are... There are natural magnetic, electromagnetic forces in the astral realm where souls that are not souls, they're astral bodies that are separate from souls. Astral bodies and souls are somewhat separate in identity, but they fall under the same ceiling like a brother and sister. Uh, So your astral body is probably maybe sucked into a realm that was, if you will, magnetically drawing you in. It could have been without purpose. It could have been with purpose. Uh, It doesn't seem like in your dream there was any sense of purpose to the dream. 
except for the mild interpretations of trying to figure out the environment and the inhabitants of it. But you didn't experience There was no interaction. There was no interaction and you didn't experience any inner revelation. There was nothing that you gathered from it except for... It was just observation. ...observation and reaction to what you were seeing just in terms of a visual sense of so unless there's pieces that I'm not remembering, but generally it was like me looking into a, you know, almost like a, you know, like a, I don't know, things you shake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, one of those Christmas, you know, the things that yeah, snow. The, the balls. The, yeah. The snowball things. Yeah. Um, it, you know, uh, in life, we, we observe so many things in life that our, our collective consciousness absorbs. But it doesn't, when you drive down the freeway, you see a thousand images. Now, they're stored in your mind, but they don't remain consciously available to you. But they're there. We see so many things throughout our lives that our eyes perceive, our brains connect to, visual content stores up. But... Will we ever make use of it, or will it have any meaning? No. It might it might pop up in some obscure moment, or it might reappear in a dream, but basically we only see a fraction, or we only maintain or retain a fraction of what we see throughout life. It's impossible to keep you conscious of everything, except maybe in recall. You might recall what you, uh, a trip you took down the freeway and some of the images you saw. But, you're, you know, you go into a crowded room of a, a store, there's a hundred people your eyes connect to. Do you remember them all? No. But they're there in your mind. So you might, you, you, you might have just gone into a populated section of the astral realm and observed in your travel. The other thing that was interesting is that I really didn't see the faces of the children. It was more of like from the neck down and the landscape that I was seeing. This, the building, the flowers, the, you know, it was, like I said, a more, um, you know, the, you know, where, you know when you have flower beds that are surrounded by like white carved wood it's very fancy and beautiful flowers so there was a lot of color in the dream Um, and there was it it changed there's a change that happened in the dream I cannot articulate it because I just cannot remember something happened in the dream where there was a change I'm only telling you what I remember from the dream but I didn't see the kids faces I didn't well you know, that there's a lineup of interpretations, one of which could have been decapitation, there could have been a guillotine, there could have been a massive a well, massacre bomb, of some kind. A bomb that could have um, blown people's heads off. It, sometimes what happens is in the astral realm, we also leave our bodies behind, our souls behind. And if these were human forms, human children forms without heads, it might have been that the, the consciousness of their energy was yet was, on another plane. So you might have been seeing somewhat uh, like looking at a corpse. We leave behind our corpse on the earth. It's not alive. It's just there. 
and then it slowly deteriorates. If there were no faces and you were seeing from the neck down, it could have been that you were looking at the astral remains of children um, as their, quote, minds or heads went on to a different plane. I, I mean, the interpretation... I mean, you could say that, you know, perhaps they were undeveloped yet in their intellectual capacity. I mean, there's a lot of ways to look at it at there's that point because they were children. It, the, the, the interpretation of the astral realm... <coughs> Excuse me. Can be, can be correct, but it's very difficult to even formulate really is. a final conclusion. The astral realm is not here to provide us with comfort in terms of interpretation. Well, what I was provided with was comfort, actually, though, in that experience, well, which is nice. I'm yeah, I know. I, I, I get that completely. I get that completely. But sometimes my astral travels are not particularly pleasant, like last night. <laughs> Didn't well, have great astral, dreams. You know, but like I said, when I have good realms. dreams, it's or when I feel like I'm visiting a place where, you know, maybe something horrible happened there, but it wasn't a horrible feeling that I absorbed from that from that dream. It was it was interesting. I, it was interesting, engaging. I was I was captivated by what I was seeing and I didn't feel a negative energy from these souls. Whereas there are other experiences I I have where I've felt more more negative energies towards well you know, you, you know. live in a random universe you you don't have the same experience every time you go to the grocery store you can have a good experience you can have a bad experience <laughs> what do you tell us about some of your grocery store experiences yeah. <laughs> um, well you could tell some stories <laughs> that's well, for sure uh, sure and that's just proves my point that you no one setting provides a, a uniform experience. Things happen, and they can be good, they can be bad, of course. That's logical. Well, the astral realm is the same, has the same conceptual environment. There are good energies in the astral realm, and there are negative energies in the astral realm. And some of them in particular related to how your energy level is. If you're astral projecting and you're in a bad state, you may end up in a bad area at the astral realm because your vibration is too low to go any higher. So the the collection, you know, you called it the collective unconsciousness, meaning that our consciousness holds within it the origins and the meaning of the universe. Now, he went way beyond in terms of parapsychology extremism in terms of the classical sense of psychology. He went way beyond, and and he began to analyze the mind as a universal symbol organ, that, that our brains contain the concept of the universe. So the collective unconsciousness is just not everything we've absorbed that we aren't readily available to. to we have, have yeah, just disposal. this, right. But it involves that in our mind, we have the consciousness, imagine, of the universe. Now, there's also a concept that some of you, when you rub your eyes and you stop rubbing them and your eyes are closed, it looks like you're floating over a city at night. Now, that's been interpreted as the cosmic map of the universe. And we're looking at constellations and certain objects of that energy. 
uh, Bonnie and Betty Hill, who were abducted by aliens back in the 50s, an interracial couple with their doxa, uh, they, they, under hypnotism, they, uh, uh, Betty Hill drew a map of, of a constellation that wasn't even available to science at that, or astronomy at that time. Later in time, they discovered that her map that she drew matched what our advanced knowledge of the universe uh, revealed. So how did that happen? Now, she said she was remembering it from an encounter where they were actually abducted by aliens and were examined and had deep psychological problems thereafter and physical problems and then had to finally go under hypnosis with a psychiatrist. And there's a book, The The Uninterrupted Journey. In fact, um, uh, what the famous black actor has the rights to it and refuses to show the movie now. Um, that commanding black actor. Nicholas said. There's three uh, names. There's three. There's three names to his name. Three. Three names. Middle, first, middle, last name. Uh, James Earl Jones. Um, he he bought the rights to the Barney and Hill. No, Betty Hill. The uh, uninterrupted journey, and for some reason he, he refused uh, to show it. Yeah. It's very controversial. That's strange. Um, the movie itself is compelling. He actually started the movie. He played uh, Barney hmm. and uh, gave it and gave it commanding performance. Uh, and Estelle Parsons played uh, Betty. You're still but, Getty? And a guy named Barney, <laughs> Barney, Barney something, uh, played the, the doctor. They're all excellent. It's quite a compelling movie. Very frightening, but along realistic lines. And the book is even more so. The book reveals the map and everything. It shows pictures and drawings. The so, book is available or is not available well, now book, because he The book is hard to get. I don't know. You What's the book? On the uninterrupted journey. Uninterrupted I'm sure journey. you can get it on eBay. But then Probably. again, you know, we're dealing with, well, there's a physicality to that. But that isn't to say that their astral bodies were swept out of the body. They were abducted from a vehicle. Yeah, here it is. The interrupted journey is actually what it's called. It's oh. $18 oh. by John Fuller. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's got a blue and white cover, the book jacket. And it's about the abduction of Betty and Barney Hill. Yeah. So it has to be The interrupted right. journey. The interrupted journey. And uh, so, you know, they were abducted in their car, and, and, and the car, and the initial reaction was they were seeing lights and beaming, and they saw an unidentified flying object, and, and that was when they were carried. They were actually... They, they encountered the aliens, and there's, a, there's drawings of the aliens with the big eyes and the real mouth. And uh, they said that they felt like they were, they had no control of their body and that they were floating. <laughs> Over their bowels? <laughs> so uh, they could have been, they could, they, their astral bodies could have been abducted. Their astral bodies. And, and that might have been the case because uh, if these aliens 
maybe there's too much luggage with the physicality of their bodies. Maybe they, they have a mechanism for which they can take the astral body. Uh, so, again, you know, we're dealing with that when we go to the astral realm, we cannot take a nickel's worth of information that we're getting exactly what we're seeing. Because our minds will configure the configuration of our minds is such that we will have to make it into something we can comprehend. Because the astral realm is too abstract and too ethereal to actually come to any mature sense of interpretation. So it becomes very, I mean, the book of Revelation, are there going to be lions and, and dragons? Like, no, there's not going to be lions and dragons. No, around. too bad. Um, these are, you know, the way that St. John looked at it, maybe he was looking at jet planes. Yeah. And they were roaring, roaring in the sky. And he considered it to be a, a, a roaring lion. So we look at these things and our interpretation becomes a little bit misconstrued. Well, it's interesting because I read, um, uh, I, I go on a website called Quora and they send me emails, probably too many emails because I get inundated in my inbox with so many emails. But there was a story I was reading about a woman who had some kind of, I don't know, medical emergency, and she ended up in the hospital, English-speaking woman. We're talking about collective unconscious. And she was only able to speak in Spanish, but she was not a Spanish speaker, and I don't think she'd ever learned Spanish. She started just communicating fluently in Spanish with the physician, and the physician was fluent in Spanish, so they communicated in Spanish. Now, they described it as a neurological event that occurred with this woman. But if you go into a deeper, uh, deeper interpretation, maybe it's not just a neurological event. You know, they're saying, well, you know, she absorbed, she heard Spanish, somehow her mind absorbed it and stored it in one part of her brain. However, I'm, to me, that's more of like a collective unconscious type of event where in her soul probably stored the information, not just her brain. Uh, if well, she's able to speak fluently. I mean, the one problem I had with Ewan, he wrote a book called Man and His Symbols. Now, it should have been called Ewan Beings and Their Symbols, but back in then, well, he wasn't say, concerned about oh, well. the Me Too generation. That's okay. We can, we can, we can leave history as it is because yeah. let's not change history. Right. But he wrote a book called Man and His Symbols. I recommend everybody read it. With it's like a, his it, symbols, it, 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 like, that, like with a drum set, with a drum set. Yeah, with the Man and Symbols. It was also about like an orchestra. The, uh, orchestra. He was he was he was trying to develop a band. Really. And travel around from town to town. Right. And he was a one man band. You know, you heard. Of Did he play band. like symbols, just standing up, like you know, the no, big symbol? He had a, symbol, symbol, he had a, he had a drum, drum set, a you know, and a hi hat yeah. and all that. Yeah, and all that. Interesting. And, Man and his um, symbols. He, he had given up his career as a psychologist and become a one-man band <laughs> and decided to write a book about uh, his symbols. But no, Man and the Symbols, if you look it up, you'll see that there's a, a, it's a massive book filled with tons of information. Very intriguing. Look it up and see. You mean Man and look the it symbols. up right now? Um, yes, sir. Uh, Carl Jung with a C. Genuine. I, I, Please don't insult my intelligence. Jeez. No, really? <clears throat> well, I mean, who would not know how Carl Jung is spelled? Man in the symbols? I mean, maybe people wouldn't know. I mean, I would expect that you would expect that I would know that. I, 
Well, I'm doing it for our listeners. Okay. No, you're telling me. Man and His Symbols by Carl Jung. Jung. Um, Carl G. Jung. Yeah. And it's available on Amazon, $16.29. And ladies and gentlemen, prepare prepare for Prime Day because that is coming up on October 9th and 10th. And it could be discounted even further. Who knows? And what's it say in the synopsis? Right now it's sixteen twenty with a coupon of three dollars and seventeen cents, at least on my the landmark text about the inner workings of the unconscious mind from the symbolism that unlocks the meaning of dream on awakening pulses, featuring more than a hundred updated images that break down Carl Geo's revolutionary ideas. For guidance, but how, but what are they? How can we understand them, and how can we use them to shape our lives? Equipped to answer these questions, then the legendary psychologist Carl G. Jung. It's in the world the unconscious mind comes to be understood as an expansive, rich world that is just as vital and true as the conscious mind, and it is in our dreams, those integral expressions of our deepest selves, that the unconscious can itself to us. I can go on. There's only one more paragraph. Let me go on or not. Oh, good. Man and his symbols offer us. Ah, bleh, bleh, bleh. Man and his symbols offers us invaluable insight into the symbols we dream that demand understanding, into how they affect our lives, and into why we seek meaning in them at all. It is a seminal text, written explicitly. That seems sexist. Written explicitly for the general reader, full of fascinating case studies and examples spoiled from a variety of surprising sources right. that proves to be, decades after its conception, a revelatory, absorbing, and What's relevant experience. What's the copyright? The date. This is probably updated. Um, yeah. No, the original thing. This okay. is, yeah, this is republished. I don't know... Original original publication. I would have to look up. I read the book. I mean, I read it when I was 17, and it completely changed my, it advanced my way of thinking, I would say. Uh, but it had, it had a dramatic effect upon me, uh, upon reading the book. So the basic writing is of G.G. Jung, the collected works of G.G. Jung. His dissertation was 1902. Then he published 20 volumes um, in 19, between 1953 and 1979 of his collected works. Yeah. So he was publishing, publishing, publishing. But Man and the Symbols. Man and his Symbols specifically. Uh, brilliant, brilliant. The way that he advanced um, parapsychology. 1964. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I was 17 when I read it. Read it. So, uh, and it's a it's a pretty dense book. I mean, you're not going to read it, and you know it's going to take you a while if you do decide to read it. But again, it absorbs the psychic realm, and it puts it under the heading of psychology, meaning that our the content of our minds are filled ultimately with psychic information. Imagine that. our our store psychic information. And I just don't mean talking to a ghost or trying to predict the future. I'm talking about the contents of the universe 
the contents of, of existence is actually in our brains. And we can't even tap into that. But it's there. So this vast region of the mind that ultimately contains within it the origins of existence is inside of our heads. Right. Now, the accessibility of that information is going to be more challenging to draw upon depending on the individual. Yeah. One is. That's, that's the fact. I mean, you know, the measurement, there was this stereotype measurement that we, to full capacity, we use about 8% of our brain. Um, some people, <clears throat> scientists and evaluators said, well, Einstein maybe used 12, 11. But the idea that even if we used 20%, 25%, which was never mentioned by any evaluator, look at the vast amount of, of information that our brains contain. Now, why is that? Why is it, what is it about our brains that we were able to contain within our heads, but the brain itself is stored with so much information that's probably only available to the soul or to the spirit. What is all of that about? And why, when it was captured into the brain, did it become so limited? Imagine a gazelle in a caged zoo. Are you really looking at a gazelle or are you looking at a small fraction of what a gazelle does on the African plain? You know, we, we, we tend to think that we understand everything and we can control it. Control it, you can understand it. Not necessarily true. There's no way that you're going to be able to correctly define a lion by going to the zoo, even if it isn't a large display area, and define what a lion is, because it's confined. And when you get into higher forms of intelligence, like the mammals, uh, the whales, the killer whales that are put in aquariums uh, in the world, that are pounding their terrible. heads against the wall. get this around they have humans. But when you limit the idea of freedom, when you limit the idea of the capacity of the brain, you're actually limiting the true definition of existence. So our our brains have the capacity to understand the universe and yet we're encaged by the limitations of our bodies. But that vast field, that energy level, at all, even in our world, if we make several predictions, if we talk to spirits and guides, big deal. We're using such a small fraction. Maybe it's a percentage above the normal mind of a person who doesn't, who seeks the advice of psychics or seers or Profits, but under all circumstances, it's still so limited. We are so limited in our scope of knowing 
anything, so even it's, to the highest intelligence of human beings, such as an Einstein. So this whole topic of this uh, FEMA alert that we were discussing on Wednesday uh, continued in Messenger um, with one of our one of our callers and listeners. And she was stating, well, you know, I really think that you can transmute any energy you want. You, everybody, has the, everybody has the ability to transmute any kind of energy. And I said, well, I don't believe that's true. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe if that person can access their, you know, their deepest potential, that's possibility. But if you look at the general mentality and consciousness of of humankind, people are not going to be able to transmute electromagnetic energy fields. And even the most expert of 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 people that do energy work are going to be challenged by transmuting an electromagnetic frequency, especially if it's coming at you in you know, at, at, in a, in a more, in even more intense way than it is just using your electronic devices. Say we say, say it's true that, you know, there was a, a massive wave of electric magnetic energy that was um, forced upon us during that test to transmute that. I would imagine terribly, terribly difficult terribly difficult well, and we're constantly surrounded by it anyway we're you know we're dealing with the battle or maybe the union of disunion of mountain to say you have the potential to transmute the potential to translate the tr- potential to transcend potential is the verb to transcend is the noun now yeah, we sure we sure we have the potential. Right. But the potential is not the completion. We will never be able to complete our fullest potential. And in terms of having the potential, it's kind of useless to say, "Well, I've got a limousine. I've got a limousine in the garage. I can't I can't drive it. Uh, I, sometimes I take it around the block, but I can't really drive it." So perhaps, the potential of having an energy is not the same as to activate. Well, I am the one saying potential, but the person that I was talking to is saying, no, everybody can do it, can do it. And I said, well, it takes more because, you know, there are statements that were made, you know, I, I will not, you know, making a statement, I will not succumb to the evil energies of the universe. And uh, I transmute any negative energies that comes towards me. Well, you know, that's like, burning uh, burning burning a stick of sage that's you know just because you declare it doesn't mean it's done no, i mean that's so typical of prejudicial thing and the the attitude of what it means to have absolutes i love so it someone, i, I just say i just said hi to someone in the chat and they left <laughs> uh, feel. so maybe they went to the astral realm so you know uh, let's say an alien captures a human being and the, human, and the alien watches the human being do a swan dive off a high dive. So if they say this human being can do a swan dive off the high dive, so therefore all human beings must be able to do the swan dive off the high right, dive. Right, exactly. You cannot Good analogy. form absolutes. 
just because you're looking at one individual. No, we do not have all the potential or the capability that we can all do the same thing. We're not that absolute that we all get to do the same thing and be, we're not machines. Machines can, you know, by one machine, defaulted. That that's not a good machine. Right. I mean, this we'll is in for you know the one. same. I the same topic came up about uh, communicating with spirit. Everybody has the potential to communicate with spirit. Everybody can if they try. Take a class. No, no, no. I that's not something I agree with personally. Everybody has the right to take the class, but not everyone's going to perform at the same level. Not at all. And, it's just not and you're not, happen. you know, you're going to be born, whether you discover your gifts at a later age or you're five years old and seeing ghosts like you were, you are born with potential and it is, a, when you, when you get into that, when you get into that topic of, of, of uh, actualizing is the wrong word, but actualizing is the only word that I can come up with right now, actualizing a high potential of, of, of becoming psychic, communicating with spirits, connecting with the astral realm, bringing information to the ordinary world that is extraordinary. That is a destiny line. It's not everybody can do it. You have a destiny line. You're anointed. It's not just, well, anyone can do it if they try and take a class. And the same thing, I believe, for transmuting energy. Personally, do I think it could transmute the onslaught of, of EMF energy that was coming at me? I actually do not believe that I could. I don't believe at this point I have the technique and ability to to transmute that kind of energy. I don't. I, no, there, there has to be. And I can yes. be honest and, and say that, you know, I, I, I have other abilities, but I can be honest and say, no, if there's electromagnetic energy that is very intense, I don't, I don't, I don't yet feel that I can um, change that energy. No. I no, mean, is, lot, is every doctor a surgeon? No. Every maybe someday, no maybe someday, but you know, uh, but we we're classified and we have divisions. That's what we are as a human race. Not everyone is as good as everyone else at any given task or any different um, operation. We're not all, we're not machines and we're not well, built I, that way. And I think that be, I think to be able to change that energy would be enormously difficult. Enormously yeah. difficult. Well, you know, now we're getting to the idea of AI and cloning and yeah. creating an intelligent machine um, that what a machine does is it only takes the information that it's fed and then it assembles it into a certain order. And yes, it can, it can create unique orders of thought. And there's even some division of thinking that can they become creative and think uniquely? Can they create? Which is frightening. We have really haven't come to that position no, yet. No, but we probably will. And the idea that a machine can feel is only because of the emotional content of what a feeling is defined to be. But does a, does a machine actually feel? 
you know, it, it, it can be programmed to feel, but that's because of the program that's fed into it. So it's not really, um, it's like having someone who's brain dead on a lung machine, breathing machine. It, it, there's, the activity may be there, but the content is lacking in terms of what's originating from and what the purpose of it is. So now we're in this idea that we haven't come to the place yet where clones and artificial intelligence has conquered the human mind in such a way that they are unique, unique individuals. And, you know, maybe in the uh, astral realm or in the, uh, in, in, in um, some sort of computer space, you can recreate energy, but are they going to copulate? Are they actually going to mass produce and have a baby? You know, there are certain things that, uh, that th- there are limitations that keep us uniquely divided, even from the horrific content that a machine can take us over and even absorb original creative thinking in such a way that, that there was no system of input that created that type of thinking. I, I'm sorry to interject, but... Jennifer just came on, so I wanted to thank her for her donation to our show. Oh, she yeah. just came in, and so we really appreciate oh, that. Oh, yeah, thank that you, Jennifer. Really, she donated several times to our show. So. Yeah, it's expensive to put these shows on the air. We do it out of our own pocket. Um, it's a yearly, uh, a yearly charge we get. Now so, yearly. We used to do it once a month. Yeah. It's so a lot. You so know, it's like three three yeah. Something. So it's not cheap. And uh, so, yes, Jennifer, thank you so much for contributing to the expense of putting our show on the air. We really appreciate it. Actually, we'll probably close a bit early yeah. today because of Jennifer that you missed us. Our show wasn't up because we were late, but Blog Talk really should just say waiting for our host if there's a scheduled show. I don't know what they're format is it's irritating uh but we will be back on the air on wednesday at 9 a.m pacific 12 p.m eastern and we hope to hear from some of you then callers and listeners thanks for joining us bye-bye